Welcome back to Arguing with the Internet. On today's episode, we're discussing the question, should we abolish the death penalty? Now, the title's pretty straightforward and it explains it all. So why don't we just go ahead and jump into the Internet arguments? You got the, the first one for us, Matt? Yeah. Uh, so once again, this first one comes from Reddit, of course. Um, mm-hmm. In response to someone's question, uh, those who support the death penalty, why do you support capital punishment right this person responds because sometimes some people are so thoroughly incapable of rehabilitation and commit crimes so unspeakable that keeping them alive is an insult to civilization besides killing them is more humane than locking them in a two by three square for 50 plus years in the first place best way guillotine you can't possibly mess it up Organs are usable for transplant. It's quick, and it doesn't rely on chemicals. When? When someone commits an atrocity so savage that it offends mankind as a whole. Torture, genocide, aggravated rape, seriously aggravated murder. I'm talking at least two separate aggravants to be even eligible. 99% of all crimes don't deserve death, even very serious ones. But for others, any sentence other than death is an insult to the victims. There's a lot going on here. Yeah, there's Several, a lot to unpack. Like five or six individual points here. Uh, do you want to just start from the top and work our way down? Or yeah, is I think there this one is that really a... grabs you before. Well, I mean, we... the thing that grabbed me is the guillotine comment. Um, I don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I was looking for arguments, I didn't really see anybody else. Um, arguing for that. I've heard people mm. talk about... I mean, I think it's an interesting topic because people do, you know, if they're anti-death penalty, will often point to the method as being bad. So, like, the electric chair... Especially those, right, where botched or, executions can occur. Right. Things that can be botched. So, like, even lethal injection uh, is often mm. botched because you don't have medical professionals performing it. Um, mm-hmm. And so, with guillotine, I mean, maybe, like, it seems fairly straightforward like, the person can't move, and as long as you get a sharp blade above their head, like I mean, maybe, I'm sure it's been botched before because it's been done enough times. But that's sure. It's, uh, I mean, it's, I think, it has the reputation of being fast and reliable. Right. Um, but there's also this might just be like false history or something. I, I don't I don't really know the facts, but isn't there the the like it's so quick that uh, you might remain conscious for like a split second or something like that after it's done. Um, Maybe that's all baloney, right? Um, But if so, maybe that would weigh in this person's choice, you know? Um, Yeah. That may happen uh, with other methods too. It's just, (laughs) but I've heard that like uh, someone instructed, (laughs) someone instructed someone to like blink after they had their head cut off and the, the, the head like blinked for 30 seconds or so, which is yeah, pretty disturbing. So I, I've seen people advocate for hanging because yeah. it is supposed to, when done correctly, which is, you know, like you adjust the height of the rope based on weight and the person's height, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be very fast. Um, 
in fact, you know, uh, that is Singapore's like re- required method because they oh, really? and they are very much involved with capital punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, like they've done research on it and decided that's what they were going to stick with. Uh, but this this person seems to have other reasons for preferring the guillotine too, right? It's not just that it's like quick and reliable. Um, they specifically mention that uh, it uh, it would allow the organs of the executed to be usable for transplant, right? So right. there's there's some element here of like getting some use out of the criminal as well, where such a thing doesn't happen if you simply subject them to like a chemical injection or a firing squad or something yeah. more brutal than that. But yeah, that, that stood out to me because it, I wonder in this person's mind, is that a choice that the, the person executed gets to make, or is that just, you know, the state decides, yeah. okay, we'll use your organs for transplant. Cause if, if they get to make that choice, I guess that could be you know, something good that could come out of the bad situation, but it, it, it's, kinda, it seems a little I, different if it's by force. <laughs> Yeah, the the implication that I'm getting here, uh, this person does not say this directly. Um, mm-hmm. To be fair, but f- the from the the tone of the overall response, the vibe I'm getting is that uh, no, we would be able to harvest their organs for use, and therefore like make use of this body that would otherwise be useless to us, uh, regardless right. of like whether the prisoner wished for that to happen or not. There's several issues that you run into uh, when that's your concern, right? Mm-hmm. Like some people are going to have religious uh, objections, for example, like, like a mutilated body might interfere with their uh, religious beliefs in regards to their afterlife or something like that right and uh that's kind of that's kind of messed up um two Mm. you don't want to provide the state with any sort of incentive for executing people right yeah if suddenly the uh, the bodies of the executed are usable that's somewhat scary um I don't know if it'd be realistically possible anyway, because I've heard mm. you know doctors generally won't uh, apply or like provide the lethal injection or do anything that ends up uh, execu- anything involved in the execution. And this is sort of uh, not directly involved, but they had the principle of do no harm and like taking organs from someone who was killed. Like that's kind of I guess it's gray zone. So I don't even know if that that would work realistically. Yeah, but there there's some consequentialist concerns too, you know, like if you're a, if you're a doctor with any consequentialist bone in your body, there are these organs here now that are usable and could save lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the final thing I wanted to bring up is that typically people think people who are in support of capital punishment think of execution as like the only payment that can be given in order to restore justice, right? Mm -hmm. But what comes with that, uh, for certain crimes, of course, um, but what comes as a consequence of that is that once you have paid the price, it seems like you've met the demands of justice, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm not sure that the state or the the victims, once the execution has occurred, have any longer like a claim, Right. Like I 
uh, to their body or whatever, right? It seems like if you've paid the price, you're you're done, right? Um, So this idea that like, oh, well, some ways of execution could make them more usable afterwards, that seems a bit strange to me. But uh, this is kind of like a, yeah. yeah. Seems a little incongruous too with uh, this person talking about crimes that are an insult to civilization, like keeping the person alive is like somehow Mm. this egregious thing. Um, But at the same time, if you're using a person as like an organ donation Mm -hmm. bag or something like that, that's also Mm -hmm. kind of in the same vein of... Yeah. Uh, to me. So, like, it, it seems a little incongruous. If that is the, the yeah. point they're making, that we should I just sort of. I think what they're trying lines. to say is just like, one, it's acceptable, in fact, probably obligatory to execute some people. And two, given that, you know, given that we should be executing some people, um, the best way to do it is a way in which, like, there's something useful that comes out of it. Right. So I I don't think they're not they're not going about this in the opposite way around, you know, where they're saying like, oh, well, if we execute people like this, we could get body parts. And now let's talk about who we execute. Right. It's Mm -hmm. I think they're approaching it in the right way. It just has these strange like implications that might be a little unsettling or um, might provoke some moral objection that might have been unforeseen by this person. Um, Yeah. So uh, more more of a minor critique than than accusing them of like purposefully wanting to like bring people to the guillotine just for the organs. Um, yeah, but I do uh, think it's uh, yeah. I think it's an interesting like the first comment they make. It, it is interesting um, to talk about keeping someone alive. They say it's an insult to civilization, but it does seem that you know, I, I could sympathize with this. Where there's there's crimes, you can think of like serial killers who do sadistic mm-hmm. murders for like you know, killing mm-hmm. dozens of people let's say it does seem like it's not fitting to keep them alive like even if they're in jail they can't harm or in prison they can't harm anyone like the fact that you know ted bundy mm-hmm. or like john wayne gacy or like some people like that could be alive like mm-hmm. for decades and decades after they commit the crimes it does seem like you know that it's it's not right that they just can uh it seems like the, the crimes they committed are so egregious that like it almost seems like it's, it's mm. um, I, yeah them alive I, mean, I hear just, you yeah. I think that's like a common sentiment yeah but uh, I don't think it's one that can go unmotivated right it's one that like even if you feel that way you ought to have some kind of argument especially if like the result of that feeling is that people are going to be put to death you know mm-hmm. like the stakes could not be higher Right, the stakes are incredibly high, so we ought to have our ducks in a row here. You know, we have to be very careful. Um, so the the points you're referring to that this person makes in order to get there is they are claiming that some people are just not capable of being rehabilitated. Right, mm-hmm. that's the first thing, uh, and some people do things like you mentioned that are so like unforgivable or unspeakable that uh, something has to be done, right? Mm-hmm. And when you have those two things combined, uh, this is a person who's done such unspeakable things and there's no way for them to be rehabilitated. What do you do with them, right? What do you do with them? Um, one way is capital punishment. Another is something like life in prison, for example. 
um there are so many ways like we could go here in terms of which is more fitting um amongst philosophers who are arguing for something like capital punishment uh they use things like the principle of proportionality or the mm. principle of commensurability in order to argue for something like capital punishment basically the idea is this uh punishment is just in some cases right and when an offense has been committed that requires punishment in order to restore justice it ought to be proportionate to the crime right it ought to be proportionate to the harm committed um uh and so what that means is that if you do something minor like let's say you like stole a candy bar or something like that it would be immoral or unjust for the state to like execute you for that because really? the proportionality is way off mm -hmm. um but on the other hand if you killed someone for example in cold blood not as like an accident not manslaughter like premeditated homicide um it would also be unjust for the state to uh keep you in prison for like a decade or something and then free you with no rehabilitation at all right, right. um because the proportionality is off right um mm. so abolitionist people who argue against the death penalty their typical response to this notion of proportionality is to ask why is the death penalty the highest punishment when we could just stop the highest punishment at life in prison, right? And then uh, the highest crime, you know, killing someone or killing many people gets the highest punishment, which is life in prison, and things are proportional. Like, what's wrong with that? Um, there just seems to be something about uh, the person losing their life that advocates for the death penalty find necessary for the restoration of justice in at least some cases right yeah, it just seems you know unbearable that a person who committed such things can you know still potentially have a fulfilling life um mm. which i mean this actually gets to the next point that they they brought up where they're, they're making the case that uh, let me just read it. Besides, killing them is more humane than locking them up in a two by three square for 50 plus years in the first place. And so yeah, I've seen a lot of people argue that in some ways life in prison, especially if you're in like a maximum security prison mm -hmm. um, where there might be a lot of violence and uh, other terrible things going on. In some ways that could be worse than death. But I mean, if, when you were talking about the maximum punishment for like egregious crimes, you know, it made me think, you know, we've talked about this before in like other episodes, but like torture versus killing. Uh -huh. Like, uh -huh. couldn't that also be something? You know, it's not something we do, at least not explicitly. Like, we don't send people <laughs> to be tortured, but we right. do put them in prison situations in which they will likely mm. face a lot of violence and fear, maybe sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And so we allow them to be tortured in some cases, even if we don't like it's not state condone necessarily right but you know it seems like that could also be in play like if you're going to allow the death penalty like should that also be an option do you think i mean you make a good point that like 
if if so if someone wants to say like oh well life in prison isn't harsh enough uh there are worse things to do to a person than execute them especially painlessly by like a guillotine or something like that right like mm-hmm. you mentioned torturing a person explicitly right uh over a period of time could be far worse so um but we don't do that and i think most of us think that that's wrong i hope most of us think that's wrong (laughs) uh so there's something it's like execution for a lot of people for some reason is like in between these two extremes where it's like well there are some things you could do to these kinds of criminals that would be wrong like we should not do that um but there are some things like life in prison that aren't serious enough and for some reason death is like in the happy medium uh yeah. there's a lot of reasons that could be one might be that uh in order to do something like torture someone uh someone else has to get involved who is not themselves guilty in a way mm. that could like harm them like in a like moral sense you know like they could harm themselves in inflicting this kind of damage upon someone um but you can make the same argument about execution um so i'm not sure yeah, someone has works. to do the executing uh, right and some people actually want to do it like in uh mm. in cases of firing squads you know people sign up to do the they volunteer to do that and sometimes they have to Which turn is a, people away so perhaps a moral problem in and of itself right right um but uh one thing that this person does say in response to what we've been talking about in the last few minutes uh they say in the very last sentence uh uh for others any sentence other than death is an insult to the victims mm-hmm. right so it's they are not relying on uh, at least exclusively, this argument from proportionality, they are saying that in some way the victims demand it, right? Like it's the execution or the death of this criminal is uh, required by the victims, either for closure or for, um, I don't know, like a feeling of safety or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not... I'm not so sure I'm I wonder if this sold. is like yeah, I wonder if this is just you know, it's it's seen as respectful to the victims or if it's like you know, people people actually like taking into account what the victims feel because there are certainly are victims mm-hmm. of you know, say a family member was murdered, um, mm-hmm. they want the perpetrator to be killed to experience the death yeah. penalty. But there are other victims who don't want that. They want even in some right. cases they want like the person not to be in prison right right. like should you some there are like well-known stories where some victims are are family members of victims that practice like radical forgiveness yeah exactly um and it could be you know if we start considering uh so i to be clear i don't think we should dismiss the feelings of victims um Mm. it's uh in general especially but even when it comes to like sentencing decisions, maybe there's some place for it. But I think we ought to be careful as well, because feelings amongst people can differ in extreme, and uh, they're not always going to correlate. 
with the crime committed. And if you set mm-hmm. a precedent, if you set a precedent that of uh, that the victims or the family of victims, their opinions on like what will satisfy and what won't are granted a, like a great amount of weight. Um, you know, I, I mean, if if I if if a person feels like they cannot possibly be satisfied unless like uh, someone who burgled them is executed, you know, mm. like. I'm sorry, but uh, I don't think justice demands your satisfaction in that case. And if I can say that there, why can't I say that in a more extreme case, like a, in a murder case? Right. Right. I mean, I think you have to take take in like the good of society mm-hmm. in conjunction with what's good for the victims, and you know, and what one argument for the death penalty is. You know, maybe people need some sense of retribution, some sense of vengeance. Mm. And if they are not provided that by the state, they'll get it on their own. So if you have a criminal justice mm. system that is too lenient on perpetrators of violent crime, let's say, then people mm. will take matters into their own hands. They'll commit yeah. you know, vigilante justice. And yeah. so you need something that's going to uh, alleviate that need for the victims, but also balance that against the, the needs of society at large right i'm just not convinced that life in prison without parole is like a lenient sentence Mm. um that's devastating Uh, you know that's um i mean as this person is suggesting maybe even death would be more humane than that right maybe uh, I think if you asked death row inmates whether or not they would prefer to have their executions, you know, stayed so that they could remain on death row, you might find mixed responses, but I'd wager that most of them would say, like, yes, I would like to continue living for a little while longer, um, even though this is not good, right? Right. Um, well, that gets into, so, like, why... I mean, I think, I think part of that is something I kind of wanted to... I touched on I want to bring back is you know we do put people in prison in situations where they may experience violence mm-hmm. sexual assault mm-hmm. and like in some ways we kind of like think that's good so like an example is Jeffrey Dahmer serial killer um, mm-hmm. he was murdered while in prison uh, by another inmate and I'm sure there's a lot of people who think that was a good outcome even though he was not mm-hmm. I believe he was not sentenced to, to death he was sentenced to life in prison yeah. Um, this, some people think that that's a good thing that like people experience yeah. these sorts of things in prison but it's just sort of, of like by happenstance prison justice yeah, yeah prison justice it's it it's seen as like uh like um just another consequence of the of the sentence or something like that but as a matter of fact like that's not in the sentencing right this is additional punishment um mm-hmm. so and there's sort of a random element to it too, which makes it a little mm. morally tricky, I guess. Like if you sentence people to like, okay, you know, you're going to be in cells with uh, all these other violent criminals, and like, you know, it's pretty likely that there'll be violence mm-hmm. in the situation. You know, that's one thing. But then if you just put them in kind of a random living arrangement, and they sort of randomly interact with other inmates mm-hmm. who, some of whom are violent, some of whom are not. And you're just like rolling the dice and that scene is like yeah okay 
So we're not technically saying like, oh, you're going to experience violence as part of your punishment, but we're just allowing that to happen. Right. Now, uh, maybe like the last thing they say that we should spend time on here is that um, they're they're very careful to to explain that they don't think many people deserve death. In fact, Mm -hmm. it seems like they're trying to communicate that even some people who are like up for uh, capital punishment now under their system maybe don't deserve to be um they want to make it clear that like only very serious sorts of crimes ought to qualify one for the death penalty um but when you make a claim like that like only the extreme like those who do torture and genocide and like serial killing right only these people are the ones we should be, uh, are the ones who deserve death. I can't help but feel like people who do those kind of things are not all there, right? Like, mm. I don't think a normal person goes around uh, life as a serial killer, right? Or like committing acts of genocide or torture. Um, and I'm not making the claim that there's like necessarily diminished responsibility on their part, um, mm. but I think like it's such an unusual circumstance that it requires us to look into the context, right? Like why? Right. It's just it's just not a normal thing to do, right? A normal impulse for some like a like a homicide in a moment of like heat, heated passion, or something like that even if we can't empathize, we can understand how this happened, right? For like a, a one-off killing, but for mm-hmm. like a serial killer or torturer or something like that, it's far more serious, right? Far more like sadistic. And that to me, it's just, I'm like so incapable of understanding or empathizing with being in that mode that I cannot help but think, something is seriously wrong with them. Um, right. Yeah, we touched on this issue in our free will episode. Yes. Like, you know, the extent to which you're free to make decisions, how much of that affects whether you're punished, in this case, like sent to death. Um, yeah, it's definitely a complicated issue. But, I mean, I agree with your, your point that, you know, I've heard people when they talk about serial killers who, like, get caught doing something dumb, they're like, oh, why would they do that? Mm-hmm. Why didn't they, you know, mm-hmm. just... Mm-hmm. do something else to evade the police it's like these people are not in the right mind like you don't if you get you're playing with a full deck you're not gonna like just right break into people's houses and murder them there's, there's something wrong right. with them most of them experience you know childhood abuse and you know all these terrible things um, right so that is something we could definitely could take into account uh, but there's other factors as well like we didn't really talk about like uh, deterrence uh, is a big thing that people who are mm. pro death penalty put on. So in that case, it doesn't necessarily matter why you did something. If having a large punishment for a crime makes people less likely to engage in that, um, yeah. then in that case, you might not even care uh, why they committed it. Um, That's true. Yeah. I mean, the deterrence as like a reason for having the death penalty is often cited but it's very contentious you know like Mm. it's it it is an empirical matter which means the evidence determines the facts right 
and um, quite a few people, like who are death penalty abolitionists, point to the fact uh, that it doesn't seem to deter. Uh, and so that's not a good reason. But then there are still others who point at punishment in general as being an effective deterrent. And in some specific cases, capital punishment as being a significant deterrent. For, for example, I mentioned Singapore earlier. Um, they have a practice of capital punishment for uh, three different kinds of crimes, right? The, mm-hmm. Those that are involved with someone losing their life in an aggravated way, uh, crimes that involve the use of a firearm, and finally, uh, the importing and exporting of drugs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that third one is like by far more contentious uh, when it comes to other nations and their relations with Singapore, right? Um, people, there are people who cite uh, evidence that drug trafficking has decreased uh, in Singapore as a result of instituting the death penalty over it, right? Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good deterrent against killing people, right? Um, Mm. It can be a good deterrent against something more minor and still not be an effective deterrent against something more serious, right? That tends to happen when you have something... When you have like a small offense that you know is going to be drastically punished, like with a disproportionate uh, force, um, that tends to be more effective at suppressing uh, uh, the crime, right? But yeah. that's not necessarily a good thing, right? That's that means there is like inherent disproportionality uh, in the system. And I think there's, you know, like we were mentioning before, that people who do commit murders, like they already probably have something that's going on with them. Like there's a, mm-hmm. there seems to be a lot that uh, prevents people from murdering normally. And so if you are in a position to murder, you already, you know, probably have some mental issues yeah. going on. And so in that state, you're less likely to be influenced by. Uh, you know, oh, right. this is a capital right. crime versus like maybe spending life right. in prison. Like you're already, you know, not really. Uh, I mean, right. There's some situations where maybe it's it's different. Like if you're a hitman, you'll decide like, oh, I don't want to be a hitman mm-hmm. in the state that has mm-hmm. the death penalty. But that's uh, so rare, though, in terms <laughs> yeah. of like who is murdering who. Right. right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Like um, if the people who are committing most of these kind of crimes, at least this person is saying are deserving of death. Uh, are not going to be affected by like measures that generally affect rational people like deterrence and that kind of thing then the deterrence argument doesn't really work here um Mm. but uh again i'm not like i'm not suggesting that these people are capable of being rehabilitated i think it's Mm. possible though i don't know for sure that some people could be so far gone that rehabilitation is not possible like i think that's regrettable but potentially possible. Um, I guess I just, I think it would be better, like more healthy in terms of a societal way of thinking to see these instances less of like a failing of personal responsibility 
uh, where the killer is concerned, sure, mm-hmm. maybe see it that way if you like. But also see it as a failing of, like, their environment, right? Yeah. And try to, like, understand what can be done to prevent this kind of thing in the future, right? Like, that, I think, is much more helpful than just saying, oh, well, we'll just execute them and then we'll wash our hands of it, right? Like, these people aren't normal. We need to understand why they are the way they are. Um, not just kill them because that's what justice demands or that's what uh, would bring relief to the victims or something like that, right? There are, that's true. You could have yeah. both, though. Like, well, in, you could have both. Let's say in a situation where people are beyond rehabilitation, which... You know, I don't know about that. Like we have this mm-hmm. idea of the psychopath mm-hmm. who's just like completely mm-hmm. uh, mentally screwed up, so that they are unlike normal people. You know, I don't know how much that's true, and mm-hmm. I don't know how much research has gone into actually trying to rehabilitate mm-hmm. people like that. Um, but assuming it is true, like you could, you know, execute people who are who fit that bill, who commit these terrible crimes, but also like try to identify the individual. Or, like, the societal factors that lead to that type of behavior. Mm. And if you believe in the deterrence of the the effect of deterrence of the death penalty, like, you know, those two aren't incompatible. But again, like, deterrence, that's, you know, that's a, like, a question for research to determine, like, how much uh, that plays a role in whether people commit crimes or not. I think it's also, like, it's going to be fairly context dependent on whether or not capital punishment is acceptable right like we occupy a somewhat privileged position in that we can put these kinds of criminals into isolation for the remainder of their lives like that's a thing we have available to us um even if someone wants to suggest it's wasteful or not humane it's a thing we can do Mm -hmm. but that hasn't always been the case right especially if you're in like in a much more like close-knit disconnected community um you might not have other alternatives when someone is committing a crime as heinous as this person is suggesting right and in in that case maybe things change right maybe Mm. the acceptability of such a thing changes because what else are you going to do are you going to just like allow yourselves to be victimized endlessly um or um take stronger measures now i think like what i'm referring to are like far in the past historical civilizations or or mm-hmm. like micro societies right um um not like any sort of modern society right. um but still yeah so like the ethics of it could have changed over time or like based on context like the resources of the society for instance and yeah because keeping someone yeah. isolated in a way that's not torturous like they still have interactions uh-huh. with other people is not like solitary confinement but it also keeps everyone safe like that's you know not something that every society would have access to um, right so the death penalty might be easier in that case or, I mean, easier, maybe, is, like, a brutal way of saying it. But, <laughs> uh, but, like, achieves as many of the, like, goals uh, as can be achieved in that situation, right? Where those goals are, like, protect uh, former and future potential victims, right, from uh, 
additional harm, right? You want to prevent additional harm. Um, that being like the primary goal, right? That's the main thing. You want to prevent this kind of harm from happening again, at least from this source, right? Mm -hmm. And then you might have some other goals as well, like deterrence or uh, metting out of justice, right? And um, it might be the case that there is no way to achieve these goals um, if you don't have the resources as we do now, right? Mm -hmm. Other than other than maybe an execution or something like that. Right. Maybe, maybe. I haven't fully thought through that line of thinking, um, but it, it's out there. Yeah. The last thing, last thing, before, yeah. I think we should there's, probably there's move so on. There's so much on this, on this, <laughs> this yeah. one prompt, yeah. Last thing I want to say uh, is that uh, there are ways of arguing for the death penalty that don't have to do with deterrence, and they don't have to do with, like, it's for the victims or something like that, right? Like it's it's somehow like retribution or something like that. Mm -hmm. Kant, Immanuel Kant, a, a famous philosopher from long ago, um, his notion was that the death penalty was required for certain crimes, like killing a person, like homicide, not manslaughter, because the dignity of the criminal demands it right the dignity of the criminal demands that we execute them because this is the kind of way they have treated other people right so it's like the idea is that in treating someone else this way they have in a sense for kant dismissed their personhood uh in mm. treating another person as like a means instead of an end they have dismissed their own personhood and the only way we can restore that for them is by carrying out the same for them, right? Um, and so it's, it's a in a manner of speaking, returning them to the light of personhood by executing them. Mm. We're doing them a favor, right? Um, so there's some, like, it's not just deterrence or retribution. There's, there are a few other interesting arguments for capital punishment out there. Right. Yeah, I'm not familiar. Wasn't familiar with that one. But, uh, yeah, it reminds me of like, similar to the insult to a civilization kind of thing. I guess, except it's mm -hmm. like they're sort of giving mm -hmm. up themselves as a person and it's uh, yeah. making them whole again in a certain way. By right. Kant would them. say it's an insult to rationality, mm. uh, which for him just is hum humanity, right? So, like, it's an insult to your own rationality to do that to someone. And the only way to restore it is to inflict the same. Hmm. Uh, shall we move on to uh, an argument you found? Yeah, so this is uh, so from Twitter. So there's two comments here. The first one uh, is more anti-death penalty. So they say, the death penalty is cruel, barbaric, and ineffective. America lacks the moral and scientific authority to execute its citizens. History will regard our propensity for state-sponsored revenge as the evil that it is. Um, so I think there's enough here to just dive into this uh, for a little while before getting into the response okay. to this. Um, so they talk, you know, a bit about what we've talked about before, mostly being ineffective. The death penalty is ineffective, and so that's mm -hmm. um, they don't specif specifically say how that is, but it could be, you know, it doesn't uh, deter. Do 
doesn't deter. I think that's the main way people yeah. think about such things. Uh, but there's a couple other interesting points here. America lacks the moral and scientific authority to execute its citizens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something I see a lot of, like, talking about scientific authority here. Yeah, you could unpack that in many different ways, right? They, they, they might mean that uh, they don't have the scientific authority in the sense that they lack the ability to understand why people do what they do and thus don't have the ability to see whether or not there's diminished capacity or responsibility for these cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they might mean, uh, like, we don't have the scientific authority to execute people because it can't be done in a non-barbarous way uh uh with our current understanding right like there are horror stories now of the more modern forms of execution you know like lethal injection yeah um horror stories of those going wrong um and so this person could be referring to things like that um as well yeah right and that that sort of like uh leads back to the argument for the guillotine so like that's kind of Mm. something like that i guess is more like at least could be more uh, consistent but the way i i read scientific authority was it made me think of uh false uh like people being wrongfully executed people who are in- innocent because mm. uh perhaps you don't have the you know you never have complete knowledge in a, uh, a trial situation so maybe uh, yeah, this is what it made me think of is like forensics like we don't have perfect forensics and people get I executed who are uh, innocent yeah I've read this person as saying like this is wrong and barbaric for those who are guilty mm-hmm. right um, now of course like everyone is going to agree it's wrong to execute innocent people you know like I hope everyone's going to agree with that <laughs> right um um whether or not it's like a pill we're willing to swallow in order to enact vengeance or restore justice uh in cases where people are guilty that's another question right that's where you'll have people dividing you know like sure (laughs) some innocent people get executed but it's not very many um and these criminals really deserve to die so it's still just right um others will say if one innocent life is lost to this process that's one too many um yeah i think uh you know each person might have different intuitions about how many is too many like you know mm-hmm. is one innocent person killed per ten thousand. Mm-hmm. you know guilty people killed like is that fine like what about 100 or whatever mm-hmm. but it yeah. does seem like you know, in America, at least the rate is pretty high. Like I would imagine, it's you know the single digits to maybe double digits out of a hundred. Uh, just because, just based on the amount of overturns of death row mm-hmm. convictions uh, that have happened based on DNA evidence, and some cases are not. You know, someone could be innocent, but there's no evidence that could possibly exonerate them. It's just that these people happen to have. Uh, been convicted before DNA evidence was a thing, and then there was DNA evidence that happened to yeah. exonerate them. So you know, it seems like it's, it's fairly high, and you know each person has to decide like is that if you're going to execute some people uh, wrongfully, you know is that something that's are the pros of the death penalty sort of worth that potential cost? Right. That's I think that's why some people like the first poster we saw 
want to restrict who is eligible in like a very like extreme way, right? I've seen other people arguing that that restriction should be over the kind of evidence we have, not just over the kind of crime committed. Uh, so, for example, if someone is like, like I don't know, like videotaped committing a murder, and then there's DNA evidence, and there's a confession, you know, it's like a preponderance of evidence, mm-hmm. then maybe it's okay to execute them, but not in other cases where there's even uh, a modicum of doubt, right? Um, even those kinds of things can lead to worries, though. Uh, but this this notion of like, whether the state can get it wrong and how much that should weigh on our decision as to like how we feel about capital punishment. I think like, I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the, in the uh, arguments we found to come. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so I think we're going to, we're going to get to that in a more serious way uh, pretty soon here. Yeah, so the last part of their mm-hmm. comment that I think is interesting is, is this history will regard our propensity for state sponsored revenge as the evil that it is. And mm-hmm. I think this is, I think it's an interesting general argument when people make a moral case for what the future will think about us. Mm. And, you know, is that, because I don't know, it seems a little weird to me to, I mean, on the one hand, if you look back in time, let's say uh, at people who were abolitionists for slavery, um, mm-hmm. when slavery was legal in the U.S. Like, you think, like, that was the moral thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. they're morally praiseworthy. Uh, whereas at the time, you might not have thought the same way about them. Mm-hmm. But it also seems a little weird to, like, choose behaviors and actions that you think the future will, like, reflect kindly on. I don't, I don't know. That seems like a weird way to, to make moral decisions, I guess. Yeah. I think if you if you're thinking of it in that direction that's sort of strange um unless of course it's like something that will affect the future in a way that's foreseeable you know like how you respond to climate change for example you know that might be a thing where you should consider what history will think about you um Mm -hmm. uh when it comes to things like this though i think the point that they're trying to make is just that like this is so archaic that uh it will it 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 should be seen as such now and certainly will be in the near future. Right. Yeah. So I think it's just like an, ex- an expression of <laughs> great disregard for um, this practice. Um, right. But they are seeing like pretty clearly uh, the death penalty is just a form of revenge. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in their first sentence, they dismiss the notion that, the death penalty is in any way a deterrent. So I suppose for them, that's the only solution that that's the only thing left that the death penalty could be, Um, which leaves out this notion that it's, it's not about revenge. It's about restoring justice or uh, so there's the notion of restoring justice through like proportionality that sort of thing. And then there's the notion of uh, protecting the innocent from further harm. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two things that people who support capital punishment would would also typically cite here. Um, right. Uh, okay, so it's not so, automatically clear that it's revenge, right? Yeah. I, I, so. I can see the impulse, but they they need a little more before they can say that directly. Right. Um, 
Yeah, to get, I think we've covered that. So, like, the comment to this person um, says, Conflicted. I have children, but would you support the death penalty if death landed on your front doorstep and someone close to you's life was taken, like your child? So this person's making the argument that, you know, I see, I see a lot of this where you know, people try to, to uh, identify with the victims and say, that, you know, you don't support the death penalty, but it's never been something that's directly affected you. And so we should think mm. uh, more in the ways of the victims that, uh, you know, you can have a stance until it affects you. Um, you know, you, you can't really think maybe the right way about it or the people, the victims are the people that we should be most thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's two ways to go about this though, right? There's the, what if your child was killed and how would you feel about their murderer? Right. That's mm-hmm. one way of viewing it, which is the way you've presented it. Uh, and I think the way they intend it. Uh, but another way of viewing it is, what if your child was up for death row, right? Mm. Uh, how would you feel there? And it's the same move, right? right. So if you're going to grant validity in one direction, uh, validity in the non-formal sense, of course, uh, <laughs> then I, I, I don't know that you can stop it from granting it in the other direction, right? Like, otherwise... What is the move really doing? You know, um, that's an interesting point. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I wonder if some people. I mean, there is a lot of blame placed on the parents, especially, mm. and maybe family members of people who commit crimes, it, like especially murder when and, those uh, criminals are young, right? And so yeah. it seems like the parents ought to have had more influence uh, or control over them. And so, yeah, people may be less likely to empathize with the parents of the perpetrator rather than, Mm -hmm. like, the family of the victim because Mm -hmm. of that. Like, whether that's right or wrong, I think that is something Mm -hmm. that's uh, perhaps common. Yeah. And second, Um, like, once again, I think that victims deserve support from, like, the community and the system, right? Um, But I don't think that necessarily means that they ought to have the lion's share of the say in what happens to the perpetrator, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, especially in a situation like this person wants us to imagine ourselves in. Like, if you have, if if someone you love dearly, like a child, has just become a victim in like an unrecoverable, like an unrevocable way, you know, like there's no way to take it back or to restore it. Um, and they're like at your doorstep, right? As this person says, you mm. are not going to be in a position to rationally like digest like these things, right? Like you are simply not going to be in a position to see things clearly. Um, so unless what you want from our judicial system is for it to be like a rageful sort of um satisficing you know like the only thing that can satisfy my rage or my grief is this punishment then maybe we should not be putting ourselves in their shoes maybe we should seek to understand them you know and the harm that's been committed to them and the the breadth of it 
but not put ourselves in their shoes, at least when it mm. comes time for sentencing. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, one thing that made me think of, um, is I don't think like anyone's really happy with our current, at least in the U S the current system of mm. the death penalty, like including the victims, because, you know, victims certainly don't want to wait years for the perpetrator yeah. to be executed. Um, and they may be, may actually want torture or like a painful death. And in mm-hmm. some cases they don't want any of that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, to some extent you, you'd want to honor what the victims want to, you know, just because if no one ever does, like that's extremely frustrating and, and people are going to, like I said, take matters into their own hands. And it's, it's, that's not just to completely ignore what people want, but at the same time you do have yeah, but uh, other factors to consider. Yeah. In our, in our current system, it's not like it's execution or nothing, right? Like these people go to prison for the rest of their lives that's mm-hmm. a, a, once again like not nothing um that in itself might be cruel and unusual um and so this 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 notion of like oh well something ought to be done to them is like well it is something is yes. being done to them something horrible is being done to them but, you know like imagine yourself in that position like being in prison in this cell right most likely isolated from the general population uh, for the remainder of your life and you know you have foreknowledge this will not change uh it will never change right like that is um that is not a happy life uh, right. i mean there is something to yeah you know, i think victims might might think that there'll be closure or mm-hmm. you know, if the if the perpetrator is killed um because you can think of situations where, like, you know, have a serial killer in prison and they're still giving interviews and, like, you still read about them in the, mm-hmm. uh, the news or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's that's a that's something that's uh, what research would determine. Like, I, I mean, I don't really know if, like, closure of, of that sense really does follow someone being killed. I mean, that's, you know, so if right. a family member has been taken from you, like, nothing's really going to make you whole again. Yeah. But yeah. Even if in even if you think it will, like I don't know if it necessarily does. Like you feel better with the offender was killed. Like maybe that's not actually true. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of forgot where I was going with that. But <laughs> no, I mean I, I hear you. I hear you. But um, like once again, uh, how a victim feels about like what would restore them or like get as close to restoring them as possible, uh, given that in some situations it will be impossible. Um, how they feel about that isn't necessarily what's best. You know, all we have to do to see that that's true is think of a crime that's less serious than homicide, right? Like, let's, let's, so let's reduce it slightly, right? So instead of murdering a person in cold blood, uh, our criminal has, uh, killed someone's beloved family pet, right? Uh, in cold blood. But they've done nothing else. This is the only. This is the first crime they've ever committed. Mm-hmm. There are people who could react in such a way that's like that. You know, would experience such grief that they think the only way it could be resolved if this person were, you know, met with death, um, 
some people hold like their their pets to be like that close right part of their family mm. um but i don't think it's fair to say that just because they feel that way it is necessarily true that that person that criminal ought to be executed right right and if you agree in that case then room is open for agreeing in a more serious case like a homicide mm-hmm. um you if you open the door it remains open and so um i don't think we can say well this is what the victims feel like they need to have in order to reach some peace or something like that and therefore it should happen right um should we take it into account possibly possibly but that should not be the only the only thing that matters right yeah Yeah, i wonder if there's a issue of people sort of projecting like if you think what if a close family member of yours was killed a loved one was killed Mm. like a lot of people would say oh i'd want the person who did that to die Mm -hmm. and so having that sort of general idea like makes it seem like more okay than these other situations which are much more like individual specific where an individual wants this someone mm-hmm. to die in a situation where most people wouldn't uh maybe because it's easy like as this commenter says it's sort of easier to put yourself in someone else's shoes and, and think in a pro-death penalty way like maybe that mm-hmm. makes it more acceptable yeah i mean i think we can we can both empath- em- empathize with um the family member of a victim who has like been killed right like the the grief and the rage that they must be experiencing uh it's like unimaginable right uh i think we can both acknowledge that Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't count for nothing but um once again the stakes are very high here right we can't just afford to base our decisions just on that alone right not when another person's life is at stake we don't want to in the pursuit of justice create more victims right Right. that's the last thing we 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 want to do yeah i think that segues well into the next uh comment here this might be the last one we have time for but oh really yeah we we kind of (laughs) (laughs) spun off a lot but it's been good it's all good um Okay, so this next one comes from Twitter as well. Uh, They say, South Carolina executed 14-year-old George Stinney for a crime he was later exonerated of. The youngest person ever sentenced, he was tortured to death by the faulty electric chair which burned his face and head. Death penalty is a tool of white supremacy. Um, So there's some pretty powerful claims here. Um... But before launching into them, maybe like a little background is necessary because they've mentioned a specific case. Yeah. Um, this did happen uh, in the uh, in the 40s, I believe. In the 40s, a boy, a 14-year-old boy, uh, was convicted of murdering two girls, uh, also children. Mm-hmm. Um and within a matter of days, I think it was like, I, I, don't, I don't know the number off the top of my head, so I, I won't pretend to. Uh, but within a short few days, uh, was tried and then executed. Um, 
And uh, during this time, he wasn't allowed to see his parents, except for uh, a moment after the trial. Uh, so he, he had no counsel. He had no parental representation. Mm -hmm. uh, and the only evidence that the state presented was the word of two police officers uh, who claimed that he confessed to them with no mm. written transcript or anything, just a claim that he had wow. uh, confessed. And that was it. That was all that the, the state provided. Um, and his defense attorney did not move for um, uh, any of the things he could have, uh, you know, really any kind of defense at all. Um, right. Yeah, and, the, and uh, yeah, I don't think it, it mentions it here, but tragic. This was a black child who was killed. Yes, I think it was two white girls. Um, yes, that's true. So that's that's hence the last part. The death penalty is a tool of white supremacy. Yeah. So uh, appeal was the word I was looking for. There was no attempt at an appeal or anything like oh, that. Yeah. The the verdict was just accepted, and he was very summarily executed. Um. Later, like in the 2010s, uh, his case was re-examined and they found that the, the trial was just a farce uh, mm. and uh, he is considered exonerated now, but much good that does him all these right. years later. Um, and so, yeah, the reason why I chose this one uh, is because this claim that the death penalty is a tool of white supremacy. As mm. we were referring to earlier... Uh, when we looked at one of your comments, it seems like the state does not get it right all the time, right? Mm -hmm. It does not get it right all the time. Um, sometimes innocent people are executed. And it is just a matter of fact that people belonging to certain minority populations, like black men, for example, face death row far more uh, than other groups. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of fact. Um, and are thus more likely to be victims of this like unjust uh, form of punishment, whether it's unjust in general or unjust because some of these people are going to be innocent. Um, it's, a, it's alarming, I think, the ways in which people have um, been placed on death row when they clearly did not deserve to be like, I, I encourage everyone to look into the innocence project. Um, if you would like, you can, and, and you have access to Netflix, I'd recommend the innocence files specifically. Uh, mm. They follow cases in which like you were suggesting earlier, Lewis, we might not have the scientific authority to make the claims we are in regards to evidence, right? So they look at all of these cases in which, evidence has been submitted that is just utterly bankrupt right yeah. there's just nothing to it nevertheless uh these people because of this evidence are like put on death row and are only exonerated many many years like sometimes decades later thanks to um uh more capable defense or uh, exculpatory, like, DNA evidence, right? Um, right. Yeah, there's things like you know, bite mark 
analysis, I think was actually in that mm-hmm. documentary mm-hmm. we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, things that like are completely pseudoscientific that are used to put people in death row. And, they, and as you said, um, you know, these people are generally under or uh, marginalized groups like minorities mm-hmm. and they don't have access to, you know, a proper defense. Um, and so and I think this is a really interesting point that even if you do believe that the death penalty is moral, at least in principle, it is applied disproportionately. So the people that are have fewer resources and have you know sort of less clout, I guess, in our society, yeah. those people yeah. are more likely to to be executed. Yeah. Even if they are guilty. Um, right. But they're also much more likely to be found to execute it if they're innocent than people with right. more resources. Right. And I mean there is a larger problem that's more menacing, right? When you give the state a power over someone, that power can be yielded unfairly, like in a way that can propagate injustice. And if they do, if the state does not have that power, you can prevent at least some of that injustice, right? So one thing that this person is, is maybe alluding to is that by granting the state the power of the death penalty, you grant them another means by which injustice can be carried out further, right? Mm. And, I mean, some people might think that's conspiratorial or something like that, but all you need to do is look at these cases like in the 40s, right, where there is direct evidence of this happening, you know. Uh, George Stinney was in a courtroom. He was the only black person present, about a 1,000 white people present, Right. Mm -hmm. And he was found guilty and summarily executed at 14 years old in a matter of days without being able to speak to his parents. If that is not uh, a mark of like racism present in the system, at least at that point, I don't know what is. Right. Right. Uh, When you give the state a tool like this, you have to accept that it can be used by people with bad intention. Um the state is not a machine that will like adhere to code perfectly, right? It it has individuals in it that are faulty, individuals that are hateful, right? People that will yeah. use that power. Um, yeah, this makes me think of yeah. yeah the first internet argument we went over. Um, they talked about how the death penalty should only be applied in places where there's like kind of a slam dunk amount of evidence, mm-hmm. like you know for sure the person did it. But there have been plenty of historical examples, like this case may be one of them. I'm not as familiar with, with that, where, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a black man supposedly did some crime and you know, it was like all white jury, all white, everyone involved. And they were like basically 100 percent sure yeah. that this person was guilty of whatever. Like they would have uh-huh. said, yeah, absolutely. Like there's no way this person was innocent. And then they were later found to be innocent. So. Yeah, if you have these, we're talking uh, about To Kill a Mockingbird here, huh? Yeah, well, I haven't. I've only read like half of it, so okay. I don't know. <laughs> but, but but also real cases, you know, many yeah. times over, many times over. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, now the advocate for the death penalty has has an easy response, at least easy in principle, right? The easy response is. Well, look, if black people or other minorities are being executed at greater rates than people of other like positions 
social economic or you know by ethnicity whatever uh when they have committed the same crime what we should be doing is just executing those other people more right we should mm-hmm. we should like bring those numbers up to restore fairness right so the answer is not execute fewer people it's execute more people to restore justice across those lines too right um so there is a response that they they could have um right so oh uh a white person who commits the same crime with the same amount of evidence against them uh as a black person with the same right uh is less likely to be sentenced to death yeah that's wrong they should be sentenced to death and the execution should be carried out right that's how we restore justice not by uh slowing down on the killing of murderers but there are other factors that play into that you know it doesn't have to be overt racism like if Mm -hmm. for instance black people tend to have fewer resources they'll be less Mm -hmm. likely to get adequate defense and so things that could clearly exonerate them or at least cast doubt into the juror's mind might not be Mm -hmm. brought into trial as it would you know on average be more likely to that would be more likely to happen for like a white defendant and so yeah. even if, yeah even in cases where like it's not just that everyone's racist like you can have these sort of inequities that right. lead to for sure marginalized groups yeah. yeah so the the issue of socioeconomic status is another point at which uh we can point to the death penalty propagating further injustice right um as you said like a poor person is going to be less capable of mounting adequate defense than someone who is very well off right mm-hmm. um uh, and it doesn't always just have to do with, like, the kind of defense attorney they could afford, whether it's one appointed to them by the state versus, like, a, one from, like, private practice, uh, uh, you know, who, like, defends celebrities and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it can also be a matter of your perceived position in court, right? People of higher socioeconomic status are viewed more favorably in court, right? They are mm-hmm. – it, it's easier to, to think – that what they have done was like a fluke. It's not defining of them, right? It's it's easier to make excuses for them because they right. are so successful in other parts of their lives. Um, and as you point out, I think rightly, uh, this social economic like uh, separation that's going to cause this further injustice. There are racial tones there as well, right? People who are, like, coming up against the criminal system who are, like, poor are also more likely to be black, right? And so, uh, yeah, it's there's a, there's several degrees of injustice here. I guess you um, could uh, institute the death penalty for, like, white-collar crime or something if you want to, like, <laughs> make it a little more equitable racially. Uh, well, I think they might suggest something like, uh, like a more serious suggestion might be something like, you should not allow uh, someone with high socioeconomic status to hire, like, these all-star teams or something like that. They should have mm. the same level of defense. Um, they should have the same level of defense as everyone else. But I don't think that's a good solution. I don't think that's a good solution because these these like overworked and sometimes mm, like dispassionate uh public defenders um are are like 
sometimes things happen like George Stinney, right? And you don't want to subject anyone to that, um, right. whether they're wealthy or not. Um, so I don't think that's the, the appropriate solution. Um, now, like our first, the first person we saw, what they would likely say is, well, no, you have to have such a preponderance of evidence that, that this couldn't happen. We just need to update, like, we need to update what it takes in order to find someone like deserving of the death penalty. It has to be such a preponderance of evidence. But mm-hmm. once again, with the, you know, bite mark stuff that you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. what might be seen as strong evidence one day could be totally dismissed as laughable the next. Um, right. You'll, you'll never be in a position to know for sure uh, with that, with, with evidence of that kind, at least. Yeah. Yeah, I think in a, an important issue in this topic is you can argue for the morality of the death penalty in principle versus the morality of the yes. death penalty as it is done in any specific context. So like right. the way it's done in the US, you know, it might have all these uh, inequities in terms of like socioeconomic status or mm-hmm. uh, racism. Um but maybe you could do the death penalty in a way that it was not uh tied to those sorts of things. Um, and for deterrence as well, as you mentioned with like Singapore, like maybe, uh, there is more of a deterrence if, um, you know, it's for lower level crimes, you have the death penalty or if it's faster, let's say like you're caught for a crime, Mm. tried quickly and then killed versus in our system, uh, taking maybe decades for the person being Mm -hmm. executed. So I think that is a important issue to consider. Yeah, yeah. They, I think you're right on, uh, right on the money here with the division between uh, speaking about its permissibility in principle versus like in practice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can believe that some people deserve the death penalty and still think that there's not a way we can put the death penalty into practice uh, in a morally just way. Right, those two things are not mutually exclusive. You can believe both. Right, um, you can also believe that the death penalty is, in principle, immoral. Right, mm-hmm. and that it doesn't matter how it would be put into practice; it's going to be immoral all the way down. Um, but I think the, the the distinction there is important because it it allows people to have more nuanced positions. Right, mm-hmm. just because you think the death penalty is in principle acceptable or maybe even required um it does not follow that you think or you should think the death penalty should be put in practice now right you can have a more nuanced position than that right yeah and i think well it's been about an hour 15 so i think it's probably a good time to wrap up and that was a pretty good summary uh mm-hmm. i think so yeah Hopefully we injected some nuance into the debate, um, clarified the issue a little bit. Um, maybe there's this one so much be... more to say. Yeah, we, this, this, this... Yeah, we had uh, a lot more to go through, <laughs> but we, I mean, there's just, yeah, we could have talked about that first one for the whole time, honestly, That's or true. at least use that as a jumping off point. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe we'll follow up at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other similar least, topics too. Y- 
exactly we were like we initially we'll wanted to do a more broad topic but it was it was it was too big so yeah uh-huh but i imagine we'll be returning to something like this uh at some point in the yep. future uh but for now i think that's about it for this week yep see you next time see you next time